On Friday's Feast of the Immaculate Conception, we heard in the Gospel from the beginning of Luke, where Gabriel comes to find young Mary in the grotto at Nazareth and tell her that she is the chosen one, that she is full of grace and about to be filled with the Holy Spirit and overcome with the power of the Most High, as God had chosen her to become the mother of his son. But that wasn't the only miraculous pregnancy Gabriel was announcing in Luke chapter 1. He also told her about Zechariah and Elizabeth, her much older aunt and uncle. Zechariah was a priest of the temple. He and his wife were too old to have children. They had never had a child. And yet, Gabriel tells Mary, Elizabeth is already in the sixth month, she who had been barren. Both pregnancies are a reminder to us that nothing is impossible for God. And Elizabeth was pregnant with John the Baptist, Jesus' older cousin by six months. Not only did Isaiah, the prophet in our first reading, once forecast a virgin will be with child, he was talking about the miraculous pregnancy of Mary giving birth to Jesus, having had no relations with the man, but Isaiah in today's first reading also forecast the coming of John the Baptist when he said, before the Messiah, there will be a lone voice crying out in the desert, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. And that's why Mark chooses to begin his gospel with John the Baptist fulfilling that very prophecy. Matthew and Luke tell us about the birth of Jesus. Mark and John start off with 30 years into Jesus' life when he's about to be baptized to begin his ministry. And so at the beginning of Mark, to show us that again, prophecies being fulfilled, Isaiah is quoted, pointing and referencing John the Baptist, who is that voice, living in the desert, preparing the way in the Lord, and people are coming from all over, to listen to John since he was older than Jesus, since he had been out preaching before Jesus. John had his own disciples, some of whom thought that he might be the Messiah. And yet he was humble enough to take no credit. Instead, he said, I am not the message, I am the messenger. He even admitted that the baptism that he was offering was inferior to the one that Jesus would offer. John's is just with water. Jesus would be with the Holy Spirit. But how? And why was John that voice crying out in the wilderness? And how can the people prepare the way of the Lord? Well, he answered that question. He said to repent. He and Jesus preached the same message, repentance. Not only being sorry because we were caught doing something wrong, but being sorry because we did something that offended God. And we're so sorry, we want conversion. We want to change our hearts so that we will commit that sin no more. John the Baptist was telling people they needed to go into the waters of the Jordan in order to be made clean. If you've ever been to the Holy Land, not many people would want to dip their toe into the waters of the Jordan and certainly never take a drink. It's muddy, it's murky, it's dirty. How could getting into dirty water make someone clean? Well, remember, this is a spiritual cleansing. John was preparing people for the baptism of Jesus. And Jesus was baptized not because he sinned, Jesus was baptized because he wanted to make clean the waters that wash us clean and to make holy the waters that make us holy. John is preparing us for that spiritual cleansing. The Jewish people, they were used to cleansing. There were so many ceremonial washings to which they were obliged. They had to wash themselves when they were going in. They had to wash themselves when they were going out. And they had to practically take a shower just to go to the temple. But that wasn't cleansing themselves necessarily. It was simply getting off the filth of everyone else. That's the way the Pharisees viewed those ceremonial washings. They were already clean. It's just the problem that no one else was. So whenever those Pharisees went out 
and had to mix and mingle and breathe the same air as lepers, tax collectors, and prostitutes. Well, they didn't want anyone else's lack of cleanliness marking them as unclean. And so that's why they were always washing, because they always thought that the air around them was polluted by the sinfulness of other people. Well, John the Baptist's baptism is quite different. Rather than washing someone else's sins off of you, he was preparing us to be washed of our sins, to focus more on our repentance and ask forgiveness for our sins instead of just finding fault with everyone else. And the reason why so many people were drawn to this is because it was something quite new. For a thousand years, the Jewish people had been marching into that temple and they'd been offering sacrifice and they were admitting that they were sinners, but there was no means by which in Judaism for their sins to be forgiven. It's one of the many reasons why they were praying so fervently and for so long for the coming of a Messiah who would save them, who would set them free, and who would win for them the forgiveness of their sins. They didn't know it was going to take a thousand years for those prayers to be fulfilled. And their patience and perseverance in that prayer perhaps set the stage for us as they were so patient in preparing and waiting for the first coming of Christ. We need to be patient and yet still preparing as we await Christ's return. But because it's been 2,000 years, some people say, I don't think that's going to happen. I think that's one prophecy that God isn't going to fulfill. Jesus isn't coming back. Christians have been thinking that for all 20 of these Christian centuries, even in the time of Peter, our first pope. And he addresses that in the second reading today, when he reminded the newly baptized Christians who 25 years after Jesus' resurrection and ascension thought, well, if he hasn't come back by now, I don't think he's going to. He said, remember, God exists out of time and space. He is not governed by the laws of science and gravity the way we are. God makes the timetable. He will answer the prayer when he sees fit, not when we demand it. And he told them, Peter did, for God a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. And so for us, 15 minutes waiting in line for something seems like an eternity. We can't even begin to comprehend God's timing. But then Peter explained perhaps why Jesus had not come back yet. And it answers why he has still yet to return. He said, the Lord does not delay. He's being patient with you. He's giving you time for your repentance. He's giving you time for your conversion. Remember what Isaiah said? A voice crying out in the wilderness, make straight his paths, prepare the way of the Lord in this wasteland, make a highway for our God. Well, there's the wasteland of sin and death. There's the wasteland of suffering and tragedy. And we still are called upon as people who believe in God throughout the ages to do that very same thing, to make a highway for our God so that he who found no room at the inn in Bethlehem may find room, welcome room in this church this Christmas, but also room in our marriages, room in our families, room in our homes, and room in our hearts. Let us stand. and Well, let's not stand. Stay seated. I'm not going to forget it this time. I'm going to get this right or Jesus will come, okay? <laughs> I would like the catechumens of the candidates from the RCA to please come forward.